your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. recording now one two three hey and we're back welcome back to special presentation with mike and ethan or alf will not be seen tonight yes and tonight we're going back to when you would never see alf about no what like 15 (laughs) years before alf that's right we're going to the way way back the the puppet times yes the pre-puppet times (laughs) there are no puppets in this at all (laughs) i are there? Are you sure? Some of these things look like puppets to me. Oh my god. Uh, this was before puppet technology had been invented. This is from this is back when all they had were like sticks and rocks to entertain themselves. Yeah, this is they're just this is like an animated version of Plato's allegory of the cave. <laughs> yeah, that's ex- that is exactly what it is. Because this is let me tell you, this is this is what? this is beyond. <laughs> So, so, um, this is tonight, a good sign. <laughs> we were, we were going to talk about something else, but then, um, Ethan sent me this thing and, um, just from the first like minute, I was like, I, I think maybe this is something we should really like look at. We should really like dive into. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, oh, Ethan, where, what, where, what is this and where did you find this? <laughs> I, I have no memory now of where I found it. I think I found it because it was mentioned on Wikipedia. I think I was actually looking up other stuff that we could do for this podcast, and I saw the title, and I was like, GOLD! <laughs> yeah, this is probably the greatest title since, um, what is it, Dr. Otto and the Gloom Bees. Yes, Dr. Or Otto. before, and, or I should say, until Dr. Otto and the Gloom yes. Bees. Because... Well, the best the title, title is well, since uh, since Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. Yes, this is um. So no, the title is it. The, it's, what was it? It's Popeye meets the man who hated laughter. So so just roll that around in your head for just a second. Just just think about that for a minute. Popeye. Um, <laughs> who He's... let's not forget is a comic strip character and counts for our purposes. Yes. He's going to meet a man who hates to laugh. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to laugh. And I think most of us do. So yes. that was pretty intriguing when I heard that there was a guy who hates laughter. It's like, we got to look at this. We got to check this out. Well, I don't know because, you know, Mike and I, have bonded a lot over our, our kind of latent grouch tendencies to be happy <laughs> when we're sad and sad when we're happy. And that is true, yes. So I kind of identify with this man who hates laughter. However, I don't think Popeye ever actually meets the man who hates laughter, because I think that guy was the guy who wrote the script. 
Oh! <laughs> Take that, man who Ding. hated laughter. I will. I will say this: when I, I was intrigued by the idea, um, you know, of, of the man who hates laughter, but then watching this film, I found myself sympathizing with him a lot because, in fact, he was absolutely correct to do what he did. Um, so, so I think the the this. Okay, so this is King Features, right? Yes, King. Um, what does King Feet? Well, I guess now we know exactly what King Features does, don't we? It was all we here. Do. Every single piece of garbage comic strip that King Features owned appeared in this amazingly comprehensive crossover from 1972. So predating uh, Cartoon All-Stars The Rescue by a good, what, 20 years? Yes, and without the uh, everyone being free because uh, it was to help kids on drugs. Yeah. It's like, if if you know how when you watch Cartoon All-Stars Rescue and you're really excited because you got to see all your favorite cartoons together, well, get excited because you're going to see all the cartoons you hate together. <laughs> all the, Or no, that's, that's too strong. All the cartoons that you do not care about and you have not thought about in 20 years are all together for this one. All um, the cartoons that your grandpa thought were a little old and repetitive. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. Because this is from 1972, and the, I the think some of the characters... King? Yeah! The, oh, oh, the Cats and Yammer Kids? The Cats and I mean, Yammer come, Kids! Where was the Yellow Kid? Come on! Oh, Henry was in this. Oh, man. Who even is Henry? Um, I've, I oh, don't remember... Okay, so... Henry, I actually remember Henry. He was still around when when we were kids, but he was basically a little bald kid who never talked, and you know he walked around and wacky things happened, and he would react to them. He was like Lilo if Lilo was bad, or Leo. Sorry, not Lilo. Oh, 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 that Leo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh boy, um, like Leo. Just... That now there is a Halloween special waiting to happen. Yeah, so you're actually, you know, when you think about it, it's really, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's too bad Leo has come out post the heyday of, yeah. of uh, comics or specials, because Leo would be pretty perfect for Halloween. Um, but Henry is like Leo if Leo was bald and unfunny. And, um, yeah. Uh, but he's in this, as well as, who else is, okay, who else is in it? We've got Snuffy Smith, we've okay. got... Yeah, Snuffy um, Smith is there, and Sparkplug, I mean... When was the last time you saw Sparkplug in the even in the Snuffy Smith comic? I mean, I, I haven't read it. Never. Years, I don't know. I only know the Sparkplug exists because I've read those those giant coffee table Smithsonian books about the history of comics. Yeah, more specifically, the mentioned. history of Peanuts and how yeah. Charles Schultz got his nickname Sparky because he was uh, a fan of Sparkplug, and which was apparently. Barney Google and Sparkplug were a national phenomenon because we were really hard up for national phenomena at the time, I guess. That's right. And I believe so. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but so originally the comic strip was Barney Google, who was yes. like a little guy in a top hat, right? Yeah. Barney Google, okay. who has uh, big round eyes, goo goo googly eyes, as the song went. Right. He and wasn't not he in this. <laughs> no, he was not. Because I, this was all, this was already post Barney Google, because Barney Google. I believe went on vacation to like the Ozarks or something and met Smuffy Smith who got so popular that gradually Barney Google was phased out of the comic. And I believe to this day, the comic is still called Barney Google and Snuffy Smith. So you see Barney Google's name up there really tiny, yeah. but he has not appeared in like 50 years. Yeah. The, the, um, the title of the strip is Barney Google and Snuffy Smith. 
<laughs> yeah, Snuffy Smith, I believe, like initiated the the national craze for hillbilly humor that like everyone in the fifties and sixties were just like mad about. Everyone thought it was just. You know, they, when everyone was like, the funniest thing in the world you could do was use a piece of rope for a belt. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, well, I don't know. You do know, you think it was Snuffy Smith or was it uh, Little Abner? Oh, that's a good point. Uh, was Little Abner before? I mean, I feel like they might have been concurrent. Yeah. They so might have been. It was just tapping into the zeitgeist, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's that's maybe they're all maybe they're all copying the Beverly Hillbillies. I'm not really sure. Yeah. What do you um, what but, do you call that? uh what do you call that setting? Would you call it like I don't know, jug punk? Yeah, actually, I like that. And that, oh my god, yes, it's called jug punk. Jug and punk. now you're gonna have okay. So when you make a proper jug punk uh, milieu, what you have to do is do it like the Flintstones, so that <laughs> instead of so their cars are all like powered by just like Razorback hogs that they have running under them, and you know and the. And, uh, and who would just turn and be like, it's a living to the camera. <laughs> and they have vending machines that dispense moonshine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they're going to like, um, you know, and, and there'll be that episode where the, um, uh, you know, the because it's going to be about a family. It's yes. basically about like, you know, Ma and Pa Kettle, I guess. And they're like, they're going to have their like sexy teenage daughter who's basically like, you know, uh, grown up pebbles. From, yeah. Uh, pebbles. Yeah, from, from the something and she's gonna do the one where she gets really into like listening to i don't know uh, justin bieber on victrola or something and they're gonna be like oh i hate this new music that the kids listen to not justin bieber i don't know who the kids listen to nowadays demi lovato i don't know I don't, um uh, uh crap what's that you know i i don't know because i'm just looking back to the last weird al album and i think everyone from there is already no longer relevant wow but weird al's still going yep. you know when you Weird Al um, will outlive us all. Hey, here's a question he's for you, com- yeah. completely unrelated mm-hmm. to our subject. Which Weird Al song do you think has most completely supplanted the song that it parodies? You know what? Uh, oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say Amish Paradise. Amish, yeah, that was uh, that was on my list, too. It was the, I thought it was either Amish Paradise or I Lost on Jeopardy. Oh, what is the Lost on Jeopardy a parody of? Well, the song is called Jeopardy, but the and the uh, refrain is "I was in Jeopardy, baby." But uh, the also it is the guy who sang "I was in Jeopardy" who drives the car that Weird Al gets thrown into at the end of the, his video. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess he had a sense of humor about it. Then. Yeah, it's nice when they do that. Like how uh, nice. what's his name from. Uh, from uh, Money for Nothing, from Dire, the guy from Dire Straits said, uh, "Can I play uh, guitar on Money for Nothing, Beverly Hillbillies?" <laughs> That's which, funny. Yeah, which meant that they had to call it Money for Nothing slash Beverly Hillbillies instead of the title, "The Ballad of Jed Clampett," which it shows in the movie UHF. So, oh, that's so funny, man. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, um, there are a lot of hillbillies in this thing that we're talking about today yes. because both Snuffy Smith and his weird uh his wife whose yes, name his, i forget his towering nun-like wife i don't know what her name is but uh, yeah uh yeah and um spark plug for some reason they own spark plug in this oh and uh they do mention jughead is in it though i don't think he ever appears on screen i don't think we ever see jughead which one is jughead, jughead? is their son oh jughead right. is their son oh the one who wears the coonskin cap 
Yes, and has the face of a hundred-year-old man, even though he's supposedly a child. Um, because whoever draws Bart Snuffy Smith, uh, a name which I cannot be bothered to remember, uh, that artist is bad. <laughs> he cannot draw. Um, us, yes, let us not forget that all of these characters look terrible in animation. It is a universal yeah. rule of this whole... St- the only characters that look good at all are the original characters created for it. Yeah, that's true. Meaning the man who hated laughter. The titular Um, man, Morbid Grimsby. That's right, because he is a, sorry, Professor Professor Morbid Grimsley. Grimsley. Yes. Morbid, sorry, yes. So he looks like a Jay Ward character. He looks like he just stumbled out of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, And, yeah, well, well, what is is his plot? He's a professor, What I wrote down here was that he is the, if... You had him standing between Wario and Waluigi, it would just be like, you know, they were meant for each other. I just, yeah. I was uh, imagining yeah. that, and it just like, Bogus, Bunce, and Bean. One fat, one short, and one lean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So our, our man, Professor Grimsley, he hates laughter, and he has a plan to stop everyone in the world from laughing. Yeah, he now, hates laughter, and whenever onomatopoeic laughter appears around him. He hits it with a fly swatter. Yes. Um, it seems or, like the joke was written for a comic rather than a movie, but oh well. Yeah. Occasionally he uses one of those old-timey, like, uh, DEET, a uh, bug spray thing, yes. you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he decides he's going to stop all laughter in the world, and someone has misinformed him that comics are funny, so he is going to kidnap every comic strip character and keep them on his island in the South Pacific forever so that they will not be able to make anyone laugh. First Um, of all, that is demonstrably untrue. Yes. Um, Second of all, you missed Charlie Brown, idiot. That's right. Who, you know, I would say is probably funnier than any of the ones he actually got. Yes. Okay. Because we've established he, he, he catches, um, uh, Snuffy Smith. He gets the Little King, the little Henry, King. Henry, um, Henry. Who else is on it? Who's oh Quincy? the cast and Jammer I never kid. saw him before. I've never heard of Quincy. Yeah, I don't who know the hell Quincy is Little is Iodine? Is that a thing? Yeah, I feel like Little Iodine was probably. She sounds more like a Harvey character, but apparently, exactly. She is, I was gonna uh, say she should be yeah. hanging out with Little Dot and Little Lotta. But yeah. Um, oh, and um, High and Lois are there as well. Yes. So we've got them. High and, and Lois uh, and Beetle and Sarge. And we never right. acknowledge, you know, did you know that Lois is Beetle's sister? Um, I've heard that, but I but they never bring it up in this special. No. I think they forgot. <laughs> um, Beetle and Sarge and they, Otto. Oh, yeah. And, um, oh, gosh, there was someone else who is relatively well known. Um, uh, oh, uh, the Bumsteads. The yes, Bumsteads are in there, too. and Dagwood and their whole family come. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's... Uh, oh, and of course Popeye. Popeye, Popeye and Olive involved. Oil and Wimpy yeah. and Sweepy. Right. But does Sweepy ever show up on the boat? I don't remember. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I think he does because he points out the spinach at one point. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Um, yeah, he does. Right. And, so, and, oh, so, but Bluto is not here. Instead, no. we have Brutus. Now, this is a weird thing that was going on in the 70s and 80s, where the King Features thought they didn't have the rights to the character Bluto. They thought he was created by the Fleischers. 
It turns mm-hmm. out that uh, E.C. Seagar did in fact create Bluto. He just didn't really, he just didn't really come up with the name, use the name Bluto in the actual strips. So they had to make do with this substitute character called Brutus, who was basically like. Think of Bluto. Bluto is the maritime version of Brutus. Brutus is the same guy, except he's not a sailor. He's just a sort of fat, disheveled man that uh, is into olive oil. And And wears a turban for some reason. Yeah, why is he wearing a turban? I, I, I do not. Nothing about this makes any sense. This was so obviously thrown together uh, as a cash grab. I assume because I, I don't. I mean, I don't know how things worked in the seventies, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so Brutus is working for the professor. He's his sidekick. Yes, and the professor basically says, "I I need to catch all these characters, so I'm going to send. I'm going to hire Popeye to pilot a ship, and then I'm going to send like notes to all these other characters, telling them they've won a free cruise to trick them into coming on my ship that I will then kidnap." And put on my island. Also, this is all after we are dropped in on it in media res. Because the first thing we see is all of King Features's like superhero soap opera characters having been brought to the White House to discuss the plan to rescue the comics, as they're called. Yes. These characters are called the comics for some reason. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so these superheroes, we've got... It's basically Defenders of the Earth, isn't it? Yeah, it's Defenders of the Earth, like, 14 years earlier. So we've got, like, uh, the Phantom. We've the Phantom? got uh, Mandrake the Magician. Mm-hmm. And Lothar, um, who is being, again... Who, thankfully, like Defenders of the Earth, is not being treated as a sidekick so much as the as uh, on equal terms with Mandrake. Is, is Lothar... What is Lothar's thing? I only know him from... Defenders of the Earth. Well, he was he got his start early on with Mandrake as his kind of big, dumb, hulking sidekick who said, uh, me save you, Mandrake, and stuff like that. But uh, mm. by Defenders of the Earth, they had decided that he was kind of like an international James Bond or something like that. But uh, Okay. Yeah, I can so handle I guess that. Even, yeah, at this point, even in the 70s, they were like, maybe it's a little too problematic to just yeah. have him be. I mean, yeah. I appreciate that on their part. And, yeah. and and who, there's um Steve Canyon? I I have no clue who that is. Me neither. I've never heard this guy. I thought it was, was Flash Gordon at first. Yeah, but Flash Gordon does show up. So yes. he's in this too. So it's two blonde guys who basically look the same. Um Steve Canyon from his name, I just assume he's like uh Dime Store Race Bannon from Johnny Quest. Yeah, yeah uh, but I was going to say I, he's probably kind of kind of got that uh King Solomon's Mines thing going on, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, a kid. I mean, that, Who's that's the kid. Oh yeah, he must be like, um, he's he's. I I assume he's one of he must be one of their kids. Who's whose sidekick is he? I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, I mean, Steve. Can- I'm guessing he's Steve Canyons because I don't remember seeing this kid. Uh, ty- he didn't uh, come down with Flash Gordon, and uh, I don't think Mandrake hangs out with this kid. But he's no the- Mandrake. Mandrake has like I'm trying to remember from, from Defenders of the Earth he's got a little blonde kid that hangs out with them yeah but I think the kids from Defenders of the Earth were invented for Defenders of the Earth 
Maybe. Oh, okay. Never mind then. <laughs> Disregard. I who? Okay, I'm gonna assume he's like probably Steve Canyon's sidekick because yeah. they're both blonde, and I feel like in the 70s they would not they they wouldn't mix up hair colors. I don't know. Uh, but know. they they might give him his own Haji, but uh... yeah, yeah. They'd give they'd give Haji to like um you know a uh, a mandrake. I feel like. <laughs> That just feel yeah, but anyway, so so they are called up by the president to go rescue the comics. Yes, nineteen seventy two. The president is Richard Nixon, but yes. we never actually see him on screen. But and they just, call just, him the chief, which is really yeah. weird. So so just uh, again, and then there's this. Oh, sorry, hello. I'm here. Oh, sorry, just my thing froze for a second. So uh, anyway, go on. So yeah, there's yeah. So the. So the uh, president's, I guess, his personal assistant who looks. I think I think it's Henry Kissinger. That's what I thought, too. (laughs) (laughs) So Henry Kissinger, fresh from another tour of Cambodia, is telling them (laughs) is saying that, you know, with without the comics, people will have nothing to laugh at except us politicians. Womp, womp. Womp, womp, womp. Oh, oh, zing. Um, if this, this is Henry Kissinger, this entire uh, operation is just some big psyop. <laughs> it's really just. <laughs> oh my god! I know this whole I, thing. I know that if I wanted to MK Ultra somebody, I'd just show them this shirt a bunch. But... <laughs> this is what they showed to goats to make them faint. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh god! This whole. Now thing. I'm just thinking of uh, Opus and the rabbits. They're only lightly stunned. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh man so the our, got our this, hero oh, don't okay. forget this theme song he was the man who hated laughter oh it uh, it sounds you know what i heard that it just sounds like the i'm the man who murdered love from the gilmore <laughs> girls it's it's just Oh God! It's incredibly seventies. Yeah, I, I wrote, I wrote here this. that this theme song could not get more nineteen seventy two unless you plastered Ricky Tiki stickies on it. <laughs> oh my God! You know, um, I also have to mention like uh, the version that I watched, and I probably you as well. It still had original commercials in it. Um, I think they might they, have been part of the program because there weren't any other commercials except for two commercials for Captain Crunch. And then a uh, countdown. Yeah. Um, and those Captain... I gotta say, Captain Crunch commercials, way better animated than the actual special. That is so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Especially considering it was probably much of the same talent working on them. Yeah. I mean, look, Jean-Claude Lafoot, the pirate, looks almost exactly like the man who hated laughter. Yes. I mean, I feel like they just, like, they're like, eh, just use the same character model for him. But make it look good this time, because, you know, being paid by uh, Captain Crunch, or Kellogg's, or whoever owns that, I don't know, Quaker? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, Quaker. It's Quaker now. Oh, okay. But, uh, mm. I just want okay. to say so, that Jean Lafoot's Cinnamon Crunch, the whole concept of a mascot who doesn't want to be a mascot that's really funny to me oh is that his thing yeah his slogan was like you know for such a bad guy you make such a great cereal well i didn't mean to that is kind of funny (laughs) um i i they really like i gotta say cereal mascots are kind of bonkers because they just have so many bizarre character like character uh psychoses oh my god 
they're they're the ones who like hate their cereal and they're the ones who love it but like it's an addiction so they try to stay away from it and they're ones who want it and can't get it and it's like god <laughs> and, then and then they're, they're the ones the one- who are their cereal and are constantly eating each other yeah oh yeah like those cinnamon things now yeah. um my favorite cereal mascot is poppy the porcupine she i love the her old um She's awesome, but I also think it's funny because she would just walk around with a suitcase, and anytime she showed up somewhere, people would be like, oh, porcupine! porcupine. And then she'd like, well, here's Pop's cereal in my suitcase, and that would help people not be racist against porcupines. Yeah, they're like, I'm sorry, your restroom is over there, (laughs) ma'am. I believe also, uh, recently I was like, I think she was the only, like, girl uh, cereal mascot. Yeah, I I can tell. Yeah, I was the one who told you that. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) I'm taking credit for learning this now, but yeah, you, you, I, you're right. You are the one who mentioned that. I, now, I remember not in this. I remembered mm-hmm. liking her a lot when I was very, very young, and then wondering where she went. Because yeah, after that, she, she was, was almost immediately supplanted by up, no pops. <sighs> yeah, I remember those. Um, yeah, yeah, she, uh, she didn't last very long. Pops no. seems to have a problem with mascots. They mm. just can't, you know. They're now in that other thing where I think they've got that awful little like gremlin that runs around and makes a lot of noise. Uh, that's all something. of them. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. Anyway, sorry, getting off topic. <laughs> the they all get on a ship. No oh, shit. No, before we come on the ship, I want to mention this other thing. They they all receive you know the the thing saying you are cordially invited to you know this tropical dream vacation on a ship. It's basically the plot of like. I don't know, every cozy mystery where everyone, you know, the a group of <laughs> random people get the invitation to like a haunted mansion or something. Um, and the fourth that I find is interesting is Beetle Bailey yes! uh, gets it in a fortune cookie while he and Sarge are eating at a Chinese restaurant. I believe they're on a date. <laughs> That's my headcanon for this. Um, and Beetle Bailey is like, it says in it like, your orders are to report to the ship, General Half-Track. And now dispose of this message. And and he's like, I don't know how to dispose of it. So he turns to the next table and he's like, where Lieutenant Flap is eating dinner with General Halftrack, also on a date, I yes. believe, and asks him what he's supposed to do. And Lieutenant Flap is like, you eat it. And and Beetle Bailey is like, I've been had because I think Sarge is. Eating yeah, it Sarge has but, made a giant Sunday out of Chinese food on top of the message to eat it. And yeah. I'm not sure how um, he'd been had since it was all the food on their own table, but yeah, it's confusing. Um, but also, I, was I thought it was to weird. See flap at all? Yeah, that's true. Uh, he is kind of a minor character in Beetle Bailey, so it's interesting that he's the one they chose to stick in this for that cameo. Huh. Um, I also thought it was weird because Beetle Bailey was all like, uh, "I don't really believe this is an actual order," and it's like. General Halftrack, the person whom <laughs> apparently gave you that order, is literally at the next table. You could ask him. And he's just standing there stock still like a mannequin. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't like they didn't want to pay the extra five cents for the animation. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, you know, I'm just going to say I think it's really great that in 1972 that uh, Beetle Bailey was able to, you know, have different lifestyles portrayed, you know, in, in the yeah, army. Yeah, he's. Um, he and Sarge are pretty inseparable at this point, so... Yeah. Well, when they arrive at the at the boat, you know, because Sarge is dropping Beetle off, Beetle is all like, why don't you come on board and hang out till the ship leaves? And it's like, it's really... It's adorable. Yes. Beetle doesn't want to say goodbye. I think it's nice. 
Um, you know, um, I don't think they, Sarge beats Beetle up at all either in this one, which is also no, he doesn't. They, I mean, they have a. I think Beetle just likes it rough, really. But well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's it's they have a safe word, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, oh, can I mention the part where Popeye jumps out of the bath without any pants on to uh, answer the call to Skipper? Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> Oh, uh, and that's, yeah, um, that's a thing. He also, also, he hires Wimpy, doesn't he, as his crew? Yeah, he hires Wimpy as his single crew member and invites Olive Oil along, and she shows up in this string bikini that somehow looks just as small as on her as Annabelle from Eek the Cat's string bikini. That was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> uh, well, Annabelle wore it better, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh oh yeah that's gonna come up more though that string bikini it is gonna be a thing in this um, also um dagwood shows up we dagwood get, answers the thing after typical as uh, like oh i hope i don't run into the mailman again oops <sighs> oh it's hilarious high hilarity yes yeah yeah high and lowest hilarity oh that's right yeah they sh- they They're show neighbors. up and then they oh Oh, yeah, yeah, that's apparently a thing in this one. Um, that apparently is... is and they, they know each other, yeah, so that's great. Um, and then, oh, um, oh, we forgot to mention another character who's in this, actually, hmm. uh, because they play no role at all. Tiger is, is in it. Tiger? He's one of those kids. He's like a little kid who wears a baseball cap. Oh, he I literally plays, does was. nothing. Yeah, I've seen his comic strip. It's uh, it's pretty nondescript, and he really does nothing in this special. So you know, whatever. Oh, um, also, when they were naming the comics who had been kidnapped, one of the one of the characters that uh, Kissinger members having been kidnapped is the inimitable Inspector. Who the hell is that? What? Yeah, I I do don't know. Was he the guy with the beard? I, maybe. I I don't. Or is he I, one of the cats? In- I, or is he a Cats and Jammer character? Yeah, that's a Cats and Jammer kids character, I think. Okay. I yeah, mean, I don't know then. I have no idea who the inimitable the inspector, inspector is. I mean... You ha- oh, we all, I'm sorry. And we also forgot there's like a couple of other characters who they bring in it. One of them named Jeeves. Jeeves. He's like, a, he's like I, I don't know if it's bringing up father, but it's that oh, old oh, tiny Jigs. like... Jigs, yeah, that's bringing oh, Jigs. up father. Maggie oh, and Jigs. Jigs. Okay, so that's, yeah. that's it. All right, so they're in this too. Um and they all go on the ship and the ship leaves and they're at sea and some wacky stuff happens, I guess. Yeah. You know, there's a like, bunch of laughing style jokes where we get to see everyone. Everyone gets a chance to make some, uh, wise crack and mm. the, the cats and jammer kids and the little King are doing their thing that no kid who's watching this has ever heard of. Yeah. Um, and then we and... get the the beginning of the push the button wrong button joke. Yeah, that's a that's a running gag in this because because uh, the professor asks tells Brutus to push a button in order to to do a thing, but he pushes the button that turns off the lights or you know drops you know does all these other things, and it's like oh yeah okay it's oh yeah <laughs> that's funny kid, but um yeah oh oh but before they get kidnapped. Before they get captured by the professor and his 
Beam, uh, they have some. Uh, they have a dinner theater yes. event on the ship, and so uh, Wimpy, who is in charge of this, uh, creates a million different kinds of hamburgers, each specifically catered to the likes of different characters on right. the sh- the ship. So like. Um, Snuffy Smith gets like, I don't know, hominy and grits burger. <laughs> moonshine and burger. Or I don't know. <laughs> a moonshine burger. Yeah. And like Popeye gets like a spinach burger and like Dagwood gets like a burger with like a million like patties and, um, you know, stuff like that. And olive um, oil gets one the size of a quarter. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, so there's that. And then they're going to do like musical uh, entertainment, but Sparkplug eats all the instruments. Yes, he's and got this guitar sticking out of his body, and I was like, oh, that's some pretty bad body horror for this. And then it doesn't yeah. go away! It's not a one-shot joke! The horse keeps the outline of the guitar sticking out of his body for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Oh, it's a good thing that uh, his design is so crude, or else it would be pretty bad yeah Um, (laughs) you're right out so so they have so somehow he plays the guitar despite having eaten it and that allows olive oil to do her musical number where she sings that she looks really teeny in her bikini dreamy or dreamy in her bikini don't i look Um, dreamy in my bikini over and and over and over again that's the only line and, in this song. I might add, over and over again. <sighs> it's, and, you know, this, okay, it's olive oil, so you know what she sounds like. It does not sound good, and it's just, it's it's spark plug playing a single chord over and over. Um, <laughs> it, it is, it is, I mean, I, I guess it's for humorous purposes, but... And then the Cats and Jammer kids hit Olive with a telescope that encompasses her body entirely, and it gets into a whole new realm of body horror. Oh my god, this is just, this is, this is, it is a laugh desert, is what this <laughs> entire special is. Uh, Brutus is, however, Brutus and the professor are watching this through their, you know, their machine that lets them see everything. Yeah. And... Brutus is extremely thirsty for olive oil because, of course, he is. That's his thing. Yes, that's his. That's his single defining character trait. Since he can't be a sailor like Bluto, he can only be horny for olive. Hello, hello. Oh, sorry, you cut out there for a second. Oh, I said uh, since he, you know, since he's not allowed to be a sailor like Bluto, he can only be horny for olive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Um, I don't think. I think, in fact. Brutus does, isn't even like mad at Popeye in this one. He doesn't even really care that much. No, which is again, he's he's even got less. Um, you know, actually, Popeye Brutus gets got, mad yeah. at him more than anything else. But I think he has reason. Oh to be, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so anyway, they all get captured. Captured. They get captured. They get put in a dungeon, um, and then the defenders of the Earth fly over in a plane because they've, they've apparently been dispatched to rescue them before they've been captured, <laughs> I guess. The timing on this is very confusing. Um, also, every time we zoom in on the superheroes, it is so clutch cargo. Oh my god, yeah, it is. I actually half the time 
what thought it was. I thought they just superposed. Because, oh, wow. Okay, so most of the funny comics are characters. I mean, they aren't well animated, but they're recognizable. These serious ones, they look like garbage. <laughs> they are so <laughs> These these animators just cannot draw real people in any respect. They're when they try to turn their heads, their eyes float around on the surface of their faces, <laughs> like like food vacuoles in an amoeba. Uh, <laughs> they look like you know when you're like in when you're bored in class and like a little kid is just doodling like strong superhero shit. Like that's what they look like. They're so bad, <laughs> and they. The way they move, they don't like move. They just kind of teleport around. It's oh yeah, they do as much as this. This uh, whole special, they do as much moving off screen as possible. Yeah, um, it, it's just uh, yeah, it, it's they and uh, I kind of like zoned out on a lot of their stuff. So I think they kind of they they also somehow get on the island. Yeah, they get on they, the island and then they oh. While they're flying toward the island, uh, Professor Morbid Q hates left Morbid Grimsley. Yeah, he he creates a hologram of his own face going bleh at them. And they zoom to avoid it, and they go, that was the ugliest thing I ever saw. What was it? <laughs> and it, it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> None of this no, goes anywhere. No joke lands. <laughs> Stop making they, jokes! Well, you know, that's the thing. They were like, we're going to have lots of setups with no punchlines because the comics are in jail, so... <laughs> uh, I don't think they... They could not have been thinking that far ahead. No, no. That'd be way too meta for this. <laughs> um, they they do a thing where, like, they the, the Mandrake does, like, says, oh, it's all an illusion. It's not real. And then they land on the island, and um, they then they see some... No. First, I think they encounter uh, lava. Yeah, is the lava. The first thing you see, maybe, yeah. maybe not. I don't. I don't know. All I and know they, is that they all. F- there's always a convenient trap door just underneath you in this special. Yeah, um, animators love trap doors because it means you have you get to draw less and less of the character with each frame. Yeah, I mean it's it's easy. You just like you just take the what do you call it the cell and just kind of jiggle it down a little bit <laughs> instead of actually drawing anything. Um, but uh, yeah, so they do some trap doors. They cross a lava pit. They have a, a cougar, not a cougar, like some sort of big cat appear. Yeah, some sort and... of big cat appears, and the phantom who was not with the party but just joins them of his own accord. The phantom shows up and he fights it. And when he's fighting it, he says, "Back, devil." Yeah, and also, like, when he's fighting it, did you notice, like, they, they literally just give up on animating? Yeah, they, they they do the thing where, like, he just teleport. He literally, like, it isn't just like, oh, it's really bad. He does literally teleport around. And I think, like, they fall down a cliff, but, like, they don't move. It's just static shots of them or something. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, all next, right, well, it's like. It's the next step up from Reading Rainbow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, um. But yeah, so so they're doing all, the, and then the phantom is all like, "Oh, by the way, this is a dormant volcano we're on. The person who lives here might not know it." <laughs> okay, so well, uh, yeah, that so was that. one of the uh, one of the jokes that almost landed was when there's a big earthquake because the volcano is about to erupt, and Professor Grimsby goes, "I need to call the landlord about that." 
And if they'd just gone on, that would be funny. But then he says, wait a minute, I'm the landlord. It's like, great. Yeah. You know, oh, sometimes actually, they cushion you know, their, way, their way too way too far out of a joke. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you can't – don't explain the joke. You know, have faith in your material. Um, I forgot, though, there's one thing in this that actually did make me laugh. And it's, it's near the beginning when the professor is using his – his machine to spy on the comics as they're like going about their daily lives. Oh yes. His evil and, computer. He calls it. Yeah. His evil computer, you know, as, it, as you know, the kind you, you buy down at, I guess, Babbage's at the time. <laughs> evil uh, Babbage's. Yeah. <laughs> you get it at, you know, E, E, the evil electronics boutique. Um, <laughs> but he, um, he sees like Dagwood do, I think walking to the mailman or whatever, do his Dagwood thing. And he's just like, not funny. And I was like, <laughs> that's right. It's not funny. Thank you for saying it. We were all thinking it. Uh, but anyway, back to the current part where they're, um, all the comics or characters are in jail. Little Iodine and Quincy decide that they are going to send Snuffy Smith's jug through the window with a makeshift slingshot using Jig's uh, suspenders. Yes, yeah, so and th- congratulations, Jigs. You're part of the storyline, or at least your outfit is. Yeah, I mean, that's his sole contribution to anything in this. Um, so Jigs, they, they shoot his jug through the window, but Snuffy Smith doesn't want them, so he grabs it, and he flies out the window, and he, like, what, hits a clothesline or something? Yeah, he hits back? the clothesline where Bluto, no, Brutus is doing the laundry and, they get, and gets flung right back. Yeah. So so that really didn't go anywhere either. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there you go. Um, anyway, and then, then the evil professor, the evil Professor Grimsley is like, I will talk to them on my evil computer to talk, let them know that they're going to be here forever. And he does. He's like, you're trapped here. And the, the comics characters tell him, well, actually, laughing is good. So we're going – so how about how about we make a little wager, Professor Grimsley? Oh, no this laughy? Is, this is the one thing that really made me laugh was uh, when you know, I, they're, they're trying to say, well, why don't you try laughing and, or something like that? And he says something like, well, what makes laughing so much better than being miserable? And Olive Oil goes, um, uh, uh. <laughs> she actually has to think about it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, he's got a very good point. Yeah. Oh, we didn't mention the cool claw tanks. I liked those. Oh, yeah, those. I forgot all about them. What? They were just there, I guess, yeah. patrolling the island. Huh? Flash Gordon arrives on the island, and there are these really cool toyetic-looking tanks coming at him, and he just jumps out of their way, and two of them collide, and that's the last we see of them. And it's just like, oh, man, I wanted to... Oh, wait, no. No, the first thing he did was he came at the tank and punched it and went, Ow! What, what did you well, think he, was going to happen? He's Flash Gordon. He uh, he maybe punches stuff? I don't know what Flash Gordon does. Flash! Oh! He maybe punches stuff? Yeah, I was going to say, I, mean, I, I, I mainly know Flash Gordon for that movie, so I'm like, uh, he listens to Queen? And he's, <laughs> he's... That's it? Hangs out with Brian Blessed? I don't know. And he sticks... No, he sticks his hand in things that have like a scorpion in them or something. Oh yeah, that's right. He sticks his hand in the little little thing from Dune. Yeah. You know? So that's it. Flash Gordon is all about hand injuries. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. Um. 
So, so um, the comic strip characters aside that this wager they're going to make with the professor is they're going to bet him that if they can make him laugh, he has to let them all go. Yes. So they decide to assemble a big comedy show, as they call it, and Popeye gets on stage as the MC, and he does a Ed Sullivan impression, and it, it yeah. seems like such a massive transgression of the character. Popeye doing yeah. impressions. I mean, that's like if that's like if the Warner Brothers and sister ate spinach and uh, beat up the security guard. Yeah, it's it is extremely out of character. Um, it just it's very weird. And also, then the show they put on, it, they just put on a variety show. Yeah, it's, it's not like, even comedy. None of it's most of the like, stuff they here, do is some dog funny. tricks. Yeah, it's like it's not that's not funny. Um, it's it's um Daisy, I guess, B- Bumstead's dog. Yeah, tricks with little iodine, and then they have Sarge and Otto, but. But Sarge is doing the tricks, and Otto is telling him what to do. Which yeah. I guess maybe that reversal might be supposed to be funny. I mean, you know, it's it's I don't. It has the semblance of a joke. Yeah, it's it's joke like material. Yeah, but it's not. You know, it, it, but there's no. You know, you're just kind of like, huh? Okay. Um, you know what I've heard that but, called Mick comedy. Oh really? Yes. That's a good way to describe it. Yes, when um, it's it has the same relationship to comedy as a chicken McNugget does to food. Yeah, yeah. It's something that like you look at it and you're like on a on a molecular level, it shares, you know, the the building blocks of comedy, but they're not put together in any way that is at all coherent. Um, at at best I would say it's it's dada absurdism. Yes, yes. That's very uh, much what this feels like. You know, the man uh, who hated then, laughter. Go on. <laughs> oh, sorry. No. But then, then the next one they bring in is um, uh, Little Iodine and Quincy are going to do a uh, a song, which, again, is not comedy. Yes. So I don't know what's up with that. And they um, and they didn't actually practice for it. So they're they're forced to just improvise something on stage. Yeah. And olive oil is really pushy. Olive oil is a horrible stage mom. Yeah. She's just like, oh, just go on and just like, you know, just dance around. Come on, and, like, just, sing. you know, just waddle around. We don't know anything. Hey, sing about how great you look in your bikini. Yeah. <laughs> um, they do, So they do the comic strip rag, <laughs> which, uh, again, um, doesn't actually exist, I, I but they do it anyway. No, I mean, Quincy does a little dance, and I think he kind of does his suspender snapping thingy. Again, I, I do not... Okay, I'm going to look up Quincy. I'm, I'm, I gotta know who Quincy is now. Who is Quincy? Uh, I mean, Quincy. I thought he was like a medical examiner, but... Oh, yeah, I remember that Quincy. When I first saw Quincy in this, I just assumed he was someone from Wee Pals, but... Yeah, me too, but... Because, I don't know about you, but that was, when I was growing up, the only place you saw people of color on the comics page... Yeah, pretty much. Um, let's see. Quin- okay, Quincy, an American syndicated comic strip published from 1970 to 1986. Uh, oh, so it was already Hart. dead by the time we could read. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, okay, so it's about an African-American boy being raised by his grandmother in Harlem, one of the earliest mainstream comic strips starring an African-American in a lead role following Dateline Danger and Luther, another predecessor, We Pals, features an African-American among an ensemble cast. Mm. Okay. So half of this was about um, Luther. Yeah. Shows you how so, much there is to say about Quincy. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, Quincy didn't last that long. It was, oh, actually, no. I mean, that's like 16 years. I guess that's a pretty years. good run. Yeah, that's um, almost uh, one one and a half times as long as Calvin and Hobbes. Hey. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll um I'll give him that. Um, let's see. Uh, cartoonist, historian Bill Crouch wrote that Shearer used Quincy to be ever optimistic and upbeat, with a sunny outlook and a white best friend who was a parody of the cliche "Some of my best friends are black." Quincy was blessed with artwork of strong design and creative use of zip tone. Visually, it jumped off the page and at the reader during his 16 years, along with uh, Maury Turner's Wee Pals and uh, Luther, it paved the way for current generation. I will say this: the the uh, the art on um, Wikipedia of Quincy way better than the art in um, in the special we just saw. Probably because could it's be actually got a... about any of these comic strips, though. True, that is that is very true. Uh, the Quincy art has a lot of character. It actually reminds me a lot of um, uh, Jack Davis from Mad Magazine. Mm. To look at some of the character designs here. Um, I, I, so yeah, but n- I don't think I've ever seen a Quincy comic strip. But the way you're describing it. Have you ever seen Gordo? Would you say it was anything like Gordo? Um, I have not seen Gordo. Let, oh, now okay. let me look up Gordo comic strip. <laughs> uh, Gordo comic strip. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, um, interesting. I have not seen this. Uh, actually, I'd say, yeah, there's a little bit of a... Uh, there's, there's some uh, spiritual similarities in the art, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, that's a little more recent, though. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It was praised by the Mexican government and the California state legislature for promotion of international understanding. Yes. It introduced many Americans to Mexican culture. Oh, wow. Also, it's wow. it was kind of hinted in one uh, Baldo strip that his grandmother used to date Gordo. Oh, huh. Interesting. <laughs> oh, wow. Actually, Gordo ran from 1941 to 1985, so he yeah. was concurrent with all this. Um, and the artist was born in 1917 and just died in 2008, so wow. Um, wow, I've, I've actually never heard or uh, seen uh, seen this one, so uh, that's probably just, you know, that, that obviously represents a very large culture gap in my understanding of comics, because this is kind of a Kind of a big one. Yes. It's one that I've, I mean, it was gone by the time we could read again, but uh, I, I, again, this is what, one of those times when I really, you know, I get sad over how, how transitory the comics have been in how they really affect us. And then they're just gone. How, yeah, th- that yeah. there's no, I don't know if there's any major Gordo collection or if any place to go and look at it. And it's certainly not being, you know, shown in mass in mass viewing for anyone who wouldn't be looking for it to discover it and fall in love with it. You know, maybe, yeah. you know, I still, I wonder if you could have a TV show or anything. Well, you know, that's what we're doing, isn't it? We're, we, that's a little bit, you know, kind of the, the noblest purpose of our own podcast is to expose people to comic strips that they might've completely overlooked, even if we are being extremely sarcastic about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, Gordo seems to be from United Features Syndicate. Yeah. To my knowledge, I don't know. Have they done uh, a crossover similar to this one? Uh, is there a, a King Feature United Features Syndicate um, thing where everyone wins a prize to go on a go on a vacation on a ship? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. That would be 
a ship featuring Peanuts, Garfield, Little Abner, Dilbert, Nancy, and Marmaduke. So, uh... Huh. Well, I will say this. When I was uh, eight years old, I I wrote a a colossal fan fiction where all my favorite comic strip characters won a prize on a game show to go on a tropical dream vacation together. Together with my own original OCs, because of course... You know, that's the way it is. You wrote this so when I you remember were eight? It was like, yeah, well, I, I wrote it, but meaning it was in my head, and I drew it uh, very badly. Okay, you know? okay. That's more you know. what eight-year-olds do, generally, I find. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a thing where if people looked at it, they could be like, well, I, uh, why why is, like, uh, Garfield sitting on, like, one of those far side like, islands with a single <laughs> palm tree, and uh, w- with a weird, like, kid with, uh, with like, you know, like, like hair, uh, you know, yellow lemon yellow hair and um you know uh i forget like i think like i think snoopy was on there and um you know uh, heathcliff was in on there too and you know there are a couple others but like uh they just i forget what the plot was i think that a volcano erupted on them it was basically a ripoff of garfield in paradise ah okay that's yeah well you know that's the best you know if you're gonna rip off that's i can't think of one that's better to rip off for that purpose yeah, yeah. Well, it's a classic. Um, it was one of only two plot lines that I could conceive of when I was eight years old. Uh, Garfield in Paradise and Ghostbusters. Like, everything <laughs> had to be one of those two. I was like, well, if you either fight ghosts or you go on a tropical dream vacation. There's really no other plot. It was like, you know how, uh, well, like, when when, uh, when uh, the classic Greek play, playwrights were like, well, it's like man versus man, man versus nature, man versus himself. Those are the three plots, right? I was like, no. Fight goat, man versus ghost, man versus volcano. Those are the two plots. Um, anyway, uh, but sorry, getting a little far afield. Speaking of tropical dream vacations, they're all trapped on this volcanic island doing a variety show. <laughs> well, we're getting in the home stretch because they're, they're doing a. I guess. Oh. I wonder if this ever got re rerun and because you kind of did use the same plot that's true i mean it's pretty similar um but i mean when you're a kid i mean you know yeah well how what are you going to do to bring all your favorite comic strip characters together you need some excuse to get them one spot and putting them on a cruise ship yeah that's a pretty good one well Um, today every kid has grown up with dragon ball z and that just means they all get invited to a fighting tournament that's true. You, you can put them all in a... Actually, yeah. So today, if you were to remake this, you would have um, all your favorite comic strip characters who appear in the newspaper today, uh, meaning um, uh, most of the same ones that's, that have been in there for 100 years, you know. And um, maybe uh, the characters from uh, Sherman's Lagoon and uh, Pearls Before Swine... And... Oh yeah, there you go. And um, so you'd have like you know, yeah. So you'd have like a uh, pig versus Dilbert in the big like arena, and uh, you know, doing the like, oh, I'm gonna make my power level go over five thousand or whatever it is they they do in that meme. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> no, that's too much power, Dilbert. You're gonna use too much, too much Dilbert juice <laughs> to do this. <laughs> I don't know. Dilbert be shooting. Dill burritos at him or something. I don't know what his power is. Um, Dilbert juice. Yeah, let's go with Dilbert that. juice. That's what you call. That's what Dilbert uses. That's <laughs> no, that's how call you call him. him. Dilbert juice. Dilbert juice. Dilbert juice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll, 
he'll appear and tell you why women have smaller thinking bones. <laughs> we'll we'll get into Dilbert when we do our Dilbert episode because there's a lot about Dilbert. There is so um, much to unpack. <laughs> his yeah yes. Um. Anyway, so so they're all they're all gonna do this stupid thing. They're doing their they're doing their their variety show, and in the middle of it. Um, oh no, the professor is like, they're not making me laugh, they're making me hungry, and he just leaves to go get food. Yeah, but like, we, but I don't kind think of reneging the, on the agreement. If you you could be missing yeah. something funny. Come on. I, what I like though is I don't think the characters know because he's been watching them on a television screen. So they, they continue the show even though he's not there to watch. Oh um, speaking of food, you may have been wondering. Why Popeye didn't just pop a can of spinach and punch his way through the volcano and save them? This is because that's his, a good question. Yes, this is because his spinach all fell into the ocean. He brought a giant supply of it just in case of emergencies, but then the boat literally dematerialized as they were disembarking, and all the cargo fell in the sea. Yeah, that's important because we're setting something. This is the Chekhov's gun to set up the uh, the grand finale of this entire special. Um, so, so Popeye, no, sorry, not Popeye. The professor is getting food, and the so they send Quincy and little Iodine to, and P- Tiger to make a sandwich for Dagwood because I guess Dagwood is hungry. I think. Yeah, Dagwood's they were just hungry. they were really excited about making a giant sandwich for him. So now usually he does it yeah. himself, but whatever. Yeah, so they they do the classic Dagwood sandwich, which is just like you know the the million. Yeah, they don't stop where he would. They make a Dagwood sandwich that literally reaches the ceiling of a grand ballroom. Yeah, they they make a Dagwood sandwich so tall that God would uh, destroy it and cause all the comic characters to start speaking different languages so they could (laughs) never, never again collaborate on a sandwich of such hubris to defy God's power. That's how tall the sandwich is. Um... Do you think that God could create sandwich. A, a sandwich so tall that even he couldn't eat it? <laughs> well, well, you know, God, God, God can do anything. Wait, no. What's the right answer to that question? <laughs> it's um, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. That's it. <laughs> There's an actual answer to that. I I forget. It was in. in I don't know what the actual answer is. I always liked the answer that they gave on one nine hundred Zweblo, which is. Yes, he can build, make a sandwich so big that he can eat it. And yes, he can eat it. He's God. He doesn't have to worry about uh, about contradictions like that. That's true. But what, yeah, that's absolutely true because God magic, it's like house elf magic in Harry Potter. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. Has it, wait, is that why there's stuff being miracles and stuff? Somebody gave God a sock? Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, he was because because um, God you know, is free. We were, yeah, that was the thing. Is like someone gave him a sock once, and he was like, Jehovah is free now. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and then it was like the then then he like put on a Hawaiian shirt like at the end of Aladdin, and was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, anyway, can I just say that I really want Disney to make a movie about. What happened when the genie and Merlin went to Bermuda in the sixties together? Oh wow! It, that that there, talk about a tropical dream vacation. Yeah, there you go. 
Oh man, um, that would be something. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to get us on the topic of actually good animation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop it! You're distracting us. Okay, so they they they're making a giant sandwich. And the professor gets really mad about this and says that he's going to scare them away by making faces at them, but it but it just makes them laugh. So they're oh, making. Oh wait, and I forgot. Yeah, they yeah. drop the sandwich and, and it burrows through the through the crust every floor. It it goes through like a like a wiggle in Xanth and yeah, <laughs> and and uh, that's how the heroes they see the sandwich falling. Like it's like you know yeah it through just goes the through floor the, yeah like practically nipping the tip off of uh, Steve Canyon's nose and he says now that was a sandwich yeah and that's how they find out so they go up and um, meanwhile oh, we didn't mention Prince Valiant oh that's right Prince Valiant <laughs> Prince Valiant is in this uh, I, I know Prince I know is in it for I, all of two seconds. Okay, so I know that everyone at home was like, boy, I, I wonder if there are any more characters that I don't care about that exist. <laughs> are yes, there, there is. Ever. So um, Brutus sees the heroes coming and decides that he's going to scare them off by putting a bunch of household items all over himself and pretending to be a knight and threatening them. So Mandrake the Magician causes Prince Valiant to appear to um, stop him, and Brutus immediately is all like, kowtowing to prince valiant and be like oh your your highness your majesty and it's like oh okay yeah he um, puts on this ridiculous uh knight in armor costume that he cobbles together from garbage cans also this is the point where i heard bluto's brutus brutus brutus's voice and was like is that fucking jim henson doing his voice was it it sounds just like waldorf doesn't it Oh, but, you know, you're you're, you're kind of right. But no, um, it's not. Every single voice in this special is done by Bob McFadden, the voice of Snarf. Really? Yes. Wow. Um, I, that's with, impressive because honestly, half of these voices I was convinced were done by um uh Mandark from <laughs> Dexter's Lab. Uh, you heard that too? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was, especially Beetle Bailey in this. But yeah. Yeah, I I wouldn't. I didn't hear it in Beetle so much as I heard it in Dagwood. But yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, yes, Dag, yeah, yes, him. Dexter. I am smarter than you. Yes, my sandwiches are taller. Yeah. Um. Wait. So uh, did he do all the voices in this? Even like all Mondi? of them except for Popeye. Popeye was done by his original voice, Jack Mercer. Oh wow. Okay. Interesting. And all the female voices uh, were done by Corinne Orr, whom huh. I don't. I can't tell you who she's. Well, she's just been in a whole bunch of stuff, apparently. Uh, she's yeah, good. Uh, she seems to be best known for uh, being the voice of Trixie on Speed Racer. Oh, oh, oh! Um, oh. Another thing with comparable animation. So yeah, yes. Also, oh, this is really interesting. She was the voice of Snuggle Bear. Oh, it's from the commercials. Yes, that's oh, one that everyone I love knows. Those. I love those commercials. That was my favorite TV show when I was a kid. I loved the commercials of the bear. I was like, oh, good. I'm glad the bear show's on again. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, in this one, so so the professor, he makes faces at Quincy and Iodine. They show him a mirror and he starts laughing at himself. Yes. And they made him now laugh he goes, with his own reflection. Yeah. And that melts his icy heart. And now he's good. And likes laughter, 
and decides to let them all go, even though technically they did not win the bet because they did not really make him laugh. He made himself. Laugh. Uh, well, so, yeah. You know, as dumb um, as but this the heroes show up is, and they're all like, "Oh, I feel like um, that uh, is sort of a good point." Because yeah. When was the last time? Think of all the really awful, shitty people that we see day to day on the news. Can you imagine them actually laughing? Can you imagine them laughing at least even half as hard as we do on making this podcast? No, honestly, no. Humor has been bred out of these people. And, you know, I don't want to go so far as to suggest uh, eugenics, but... I am, but yeah, this is uh, yeah. bad people can't laugh very well. Yeah, so I guess that's why um, why when the professor laughs, it's basically like his Grinch transformation. <laughs> he's yes. now his heart grows like five sizes, and now, and now he's he good. wants to rescue everybody because the volcano is exploding. That's right, the volcano is erupting. So the superheroes' big adventure through the uh, tunnels where they fight giant tanks and everything, it all came to nothing because now the bad guy is good. Yeah. Good plot. Uh, Really good. Great denouement there, King Feature Syndicate. (laughs) Well, then they all escape, right? In the professor's uh, submarine? Yes, his yellow submarine, of course. Oh, of course. And they, they almost don't escape because they um, they get wedged in a thing. They get wedged in like a rock. Yes. And oh, we didn't. But that's when Popeye. One thing I wanted mm-hmm. to add before we go, as they were as they're trying to escape, there was a like a film cut. And I don't know what the setup was for it, but we go straight to Brutus dressed in women's clothes and Popeye pulling off his wig and yelling, I'm ashamed of you. Yeah. So so from from what follows my my gathering of what happened is because then he's dressed up like a little kid. Yeah. I think he's trying to do the whole thing, oh, women and children first, so I should go first into the escape route. I yes. think that's what was happening. Yes. But because of that cut, uh I we forgot to mention as everyone is piling into submarine like Steve Canyon says something to Olive Oil, and Olive Oil is like, "Oh, we are so handsome! Oh my God! Oh, I just oh, we were made to be together!" And she's like looping her arms around him, like these her spaghetti arms are like circling him like three times, like she's a fucking like uh, uh, like a, a Junji Ito character character, and 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 then it cuts to like Popeye with Brutus in like drag. So I oh, for a second like. Oh, is, I thought I literally thought, thought for a second. Oh, because Olive Oil has left Popeye for Steve Canyon. Now Brutus is like, ah, now I'm gonna. It's my chance with Popeye. <laughs> but but you know, but he's but that's the thing because he only knows Popeye with Olive Oil. Maybe Brutus thought, well, Popeye obviously is a cishet, so I have to, you know. I'm, I'm gonna try to appeal to that. I don't know. That's that's my first. That was my first thought when that happened, and then I was like, oh, okay. And then, oh wait, no, he's just trying to get in the submarine faster. Okay, all right. It is. Yeah, that that cut really made a lot of difference. Yeah, but. can you believe how much funnier just chopping this up at random makes it? No wonder YouTube I feel poops like- were such a big thing. 
I feel like this thing was made for like reaction gifts because there are oh, so many. Just, you're right. Yeah. There really were almost anything I mean, where it zooms in on the superhero faces. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anything with the Phantom is just like amazing. <laughs> and it's floating eyes. <laughs> anyway, so so then they, they escape. Oh, oh. Uh, they get wedged into a thing. Popeye eats some spinach. He saves the day. So yeah. again, the heroes are, are even at the very end completely useless. Um, but then they all go. They escape, and the the chief invites them all to the White House for a celebratory lunch. Even the freaking professor is there. It's like <laughs> even the professor. Yeah, and uh, Blondie is all like, "I wonder what we're gonna get to eat." And uh, the professor's like, "Maybe it'll be a big sandwich." How clever. Yeah, because he's next to Dagwood, who likes sandwiches. And, and um, well, I, I do like that whole thing, because just imagine, imagine, like, you know, this taking place nowadays, and all the comic characters being, like, you know, brought into, like, Trump's White House, where he's got a spread of, like, McDonald's Big Macs and, like, <laughs> play of fishes out. And the professor's like, maybe we'll get a sandwich! Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, but actually, they are—they're all sitting around waiting for their food, and the president, sorry, the chief, the chief, is nowhere to be seen. He's—he's he's not there. You know, he's—he's he's snubbing them, and they're like, well, you know, he's probably really busy doing really important, uh, you know, stuff like you know, orchestrating the Watergate break-in, or um, <laughs> I don't know, or or you know, um, making racial slurs while being recorded on his own tape recorder. <laughs> Uh, so, but, but in fact, actually the chief is reading the comics. Yes. He's got his feet up on the desk and he's reading the comics and going, (laughs) 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 he's doing (laughs) the Beavis laugh. (laughs) He's just barely fake chuckling at the comics, which is (laughs) (laughs) he's reading, he's reading sensible chuckle comic. Um, so, so in this world of the man who hated to laugh, since the comic strip characters are real people who exist, does that mean that the comics page is like they just pose and people take their pictures and it just is put in the comic page? Or how does it work? Because clearly the comics page still exists. So yeah, I mean, and it's it is it always is it always a put on? Does uh, Dagwood get a script saying, okay, you need to do these things at home and uh, our spies will take photos of you with their telephoto lens for the comics page. That's true because he is doing comic stuff at his home in the beginning of this, you know? Yeah. But now I'm just, now, so I like the idea that they're all just actors who just like pose, like they, they just pose statically for it. Like that Mary Worth, um, you know, uh, student project and, <laughs> There. And then, like, Dagwood is like, okay, I'm going to eat a big sandwich in this next scene. What's my motivation? <laughs> i got to get into the right headspace. <laughs> yeah. Mike, oh, did you man. ever read Who Censored Roger Rabbit? I have not read that. Uh, it, I it's, definitely recommend it. It is so different from the movie that it's a completely different experience. But Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh, most, most of it, which, most importantly, it's that they are not animated characters. They're comic strip characters. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Not only so, that, mm-hmm. Roger, yeah, Roger Rabbit uh, has a comic strip of his own. Baby Herman is a friend of his. He doesn't work with him. But uh, mm. 
They, the funny thing is they never actually explain whether their words are audible or not, but they do speak in literal physical word balloons. And Oh. Yes. And they're actually taking photos of the word balloons as they speak their lines. And there's, you know, street sweeping is a huge business because tunes litter the ground with old word balloons. Oh, wow. That is very different than the movie. It is so different. And it is, well, how about I, spoiler alert, Roger dies. Hello? Hello. Sorry, my thing froze up for no reason. <laughs> what was the spoiler? Right after you said spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Roger dies. Oh. Roger. Did they put him in the dip? No, there is no dip. He's shot to death. Oh, okay. Yes. I didn't know. But you what, you can't kill a toon. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. Do they shoot him with a little cartoon bullet that talks like a cowboy at least? <laughs> no, they just shoot it with an actual bullet. And... They, he's shot with a bullet, and one of the only clues to how he died is that his word balloon, which it says has hardened to the texture of a fortune cookie, is still on the ground yeah. with him. And it says, Wow. <laughs> and it says, It couldn't be you, which is not much huh. of a hint, I know. <laughs> wow. Okay, this does sound very interesting, though. I'm yeah. going to have to check this out. Highly um, recommended, yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Disney took a lot of liberties. I'm surprised. They're usually so so much fealty to source material. Uh, yeah. Disney <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Roger, Baby Herman, right. and Jessica are all in it. But oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So, uh, the man who hated laughter. The man who um, hated laughter. Again, any takeaways from this? <laughs> well, for one thing, that's my that's my new appellation online. <laughs> You're gonna go to the man who hates laughter. Yes, go to the man who hates laughter.com. Yeah, no more of the hunger reader, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a good you know what? I like it. It's good. It suits you. If there's anyone if there's anyone who hates to laugh, it's you, Ethan. <laughs> oh god, laughter. Blech. Who I needs it? Laughter. Okay, let's let's wrap this up with a little detail about how this came to be. It's part. Mm -hmm. It was part of a something that ABC was doing in 1972 called the ABC Saturday Superstar Movie, which was a sort of movie mm. of the week for kids. Uh huh. It also included features like the Brady Kids on Mysterious Island. Ooh. Yogi's Ark Lark, which you might have actually heard of. That's the first one where Yogi and all the other Hanna-Barbera characters go on a flying ship looking for an unpolluted place to live. Hmm? And let's see. Nanny and the Professor. I have never heard of this. Huh. Okay. It's That is a new one to me. An American sitcom that's kind of playing on the success of Mary Poppins. Uh... Oh, Oliver and the Artful Dodger. I remember I showed you clips from that one. That's oh, one, yeah. Yeah, that's the one where the guy does his little dance where he goes, I mean, rotten, stingy, and cruel. <laughs> and, oh boy, Lassie and the Spirit of Thunder Mountain. Oh boy, an animated mm. Lassie movie. I mean, what was the appeal of Lassie outside of It's a Cute Dog? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, 
Yeah, I guess everything had a cartoon in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, An hmm. animated slash. So, well, so I guess they needed something to fill that content hole. Yeah. Now most yeah, there's some of these are familiar characters. Actually, most of these are familiar characters. Oh, here's one that is pretty clearly a kind of a peanuts knockoff. It's the mm-hmm. Red Baron. This what? Anim- this animated feature casts the Red Baron as a hero in a world of heroic anthropomorphic dogs and villainous anthropomorphic cats. Hello? Oh, sorry. Hello? Sorry, <laughs> cut out there a little bit. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. So the Red Baron is a hero. Yes. And he's, uh... maybe he's a dog and the bad guys are cats. And who are the bad guys? Is it are they Maybe Americans? Uh, they'd probably be the Royal uh, Air Force, I yeah. guess, right? <laughs> that's that's very weird. It's like so. I I, I guess enough time had passed since World War One that we were okay with the we were okay with the Huns now. So, yeah, um, you know, still a little weird though. But you know, yeah. all right. Um, well, I mean, if if you made me choose between Hitler and the Kaiser, I should probably have to pick the Kaiser, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, he's got a cooler mustache. Oh, that's for and, sure. Uh, yeah. Also, he had that 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 hat with a point on it, which yeah. is you know pretty badass. Ah, you know? Um, yeah, you know. So he's uh, he's he's amusing. He's amusing guy. You see him marching around, you know, with his like you know feathers on his hat and everything, and you're <laughs> like, oh, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Um, I suppose he's you know probably he's probably responsible for substantially fewer deaths. Well. Depending on how you slice it, I guess. I guess some people might blame him for every death in World War One, but you know, <laughs> but you know, he—he's—he's he's a more comical character, you know. Yes. Well, I mean, we did our best to make Hitler out to be a uh, wacky clownish figure. I guess because we didn't have the whole story on what was going on over there. Yeah, you know, he's like, yeah, it's like when you when you see Hitler as like a, a Dr. Seuss punchline, it's like yeah. a lot funnier. More so than when you, uh, you know, when you see later on and it's like, oh, yeah, mm. guess, uh, guess uh, that's not so funny. Mm. Um, but anyway, so, um, yeah, they had to fill up that hole for, um, you know, put some King feet, not King Features. Yeah. yeah, King Features Syndicate in there. Yes. Um, I think the main thing we learned is that King Features got all the crap. Yeah, I mean. What what do they do anyway? What I mean, we saw what they do, but do they have anything good since then? Let me have a look. Well, let's yeah, let's take a look. Let's 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 um let's close out with a a, a look at King Feature Syndicate and what they've got. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. The first thing that makes my jaw drop is that they have founded King Features Animation. And one of huh? the first things that King Features Animation is going to do is the Cuphead show. What? Cuphead? Whoa! They have Cuphead? That? Wow. Holy shit, if Cuphead had been part of this, it would have been so much better. What could it have yeah. been? Cuphead meets the man who hates laughter. Man, yeah, that would also in a way would kind of fit though considering that like cuphead is like you know kind of a uh, an homage to these classic cartoons yeah to the well. ca- I mean, this cartoons is more of a that popeye and so and so forth came from and yeah they were yeah making, exactly 
Yeah, they even made some uh, Little King car- cartoons at that time, as I recall. Hmm. Um, okay. So, oh, who else? See. Who else? Oh, mm-hmm. they do. Uh, oh, Baby Blues. That would have been. Oh. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. What? What if Daryl and Wanda had been invited on the? Well, it probably wouldn't have been much different, would it? Their kids would have joined in the face making contest. Yeah. Yeah. They like like what Zoe and yeah Zoe, Zoe Hammy and, and Ren. Yeah. Yeah, they could make a giant sandwich. Yeah, they could do that. That's, yeah. that that'd probably be funny, I guess. Um, Dennis the Menace? Why wasn't Dennis the Menace in this? Oh, yeah, that's weird. Because he was around at that point. Yes. That's really strange. Huh. Oh, Croc. Okay. <laughs> we keep Ugh. coming back to Croc. Croc is like a bad, bad penny. God. <laughs> well, even even then, they were like, they were probably like, hey, well, what should we put Croc in this? No, no, no one wants that. Nobody <laughs> wants Croc. That is, if 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 you learn nothing else from our podcast, learn know this, know this truth. Nobody wants, wants Croc. Croc. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> oh god! Right, uh, I mean, I Mallard Fillmore. Oh my! Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 There's a man who hates laughter. Yeah. <laughs> the duck who hates laughter. Oh my god! Yeah, I just imagine it'd be great. Just be like Mallard Fillmore, like drunk, dr- drunk, steering the ship into a rock, and then like <laughs> making a series of like angry comics, blaming it all on like the judge, the judge, you know, the district court <laughs> judge, who like, <laughs> like was like, you have to spend time in comics prison. Oh yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> Oh God! Wow, Mallard Fillmore. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, oh, here's a uh, Mickey Mouse. Gee, I wonder why that wasn't part of this. Oh, there was a Mickey Mouse comic strip. Uh, yeah. Uh, it ran the first. Uh, st- the strip ran from January thirteenth, nineteen thirty, until nineteen ninety five. So what? Yeah. Um. I'm going to assume that somehow or other Disney had its claws into that, which would have prevented it from being uh, crossover with any non-Disney properties. So, yes. Um, yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. Oh, Piranha Club. <laughs> That's the one that you mentioned to me earlier. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. That would um, be interesting. I mean, the Piranha Club yeah. at sea. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fox. Yeah. Makes sense. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. That'd be great. So um, he could replace yeah. Popeye. Shoot. Yeah, he'd be great. Well, you know, uh, actually, I like that a lot. It's just a mystery aboard a ship, you know, <laughs> and he's got to fi- he's they hire him to figure it out. Like, oh, but it's like Cassandra Cat in her sexy scuba gear is like, you know, behind it all, stealing all of Wimpy's hamburgers or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Also, nobody wow. notices that there's this anthropomorphic fox with them. Did you notice that everyone else was human on this ship? Except oh, yeah. for Otto. That's that's true. Though Otto is weird, because even in the world of Beetle Bailey, he's the only uh, anthropomorphic animal, isn't he? Yeah. And even then, it's kind of unclear whether he really is that smart or if uh, Sarge just has him very well trained to imitate a person. I always assumed Otto was kind of like Scooby-Doo, where he's like a regular dog, but everyone just... But he can kind of talk with a dog accent and like do human things and everyone's just like yeah that's a normal thing for dogs to do normal that's, this is how dogs work like yeah, the book says you know. how dogs really work 
Yeah. Well, you know, when you think about it, most comic dogs are kind of like that. Because Snoopy's just a regular dog, and yet somehow Charlie Brown expects him to, like, drive cars and stuff. Yeah, and when he drives cars but also flirts with girls, he says, Why can't I have a dog like everyone else? That just drives, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, all right, Charlie Brown. It's like, some people are never happy. Uh, All right, so... um, We've established that, yeah, there's some decent, I guess there's some all right, like, comics owned by uh, uh, United Features. But these, again, they all but, sound kind of second string to me. Yeah, none, none of them were, oh, let's see. Actually, I just saw that I the, the ones that I just mentioned, they do, in fact, mm-hmm. have Sherman's Lagoon. So Oh, all right, there you go. Which, again, perfect for a uh, cruise at sea storyline. Yeah, a beach adventure. Yeah, it could have Sherman yeah. discovering the spinach and uh, eating it, and then he, like, I don't know, flexes his dorsal fin, and it turns into an anvil. And Actually, I, actually, I, I like this idea a lot. <laughs> oh, and then... Uh, Hawthorne uh, wears the wears the can as a shell, and it becomes his, and he becomes permanently powered up because he's wearing a spinach can. Actually, yeah, nice. This is this is way better than anything they did in this special. It really is. And well, of course, we don't have to animate it and write it and have it go through mm. customs and go through rewrites and have the censors look at it and have the uh, advertisers look at it. And oh God, why does anyone work in television? Yeah, as long as we're just, like, making it up on a podcast listened to by five people. Yeah, it's like, it can be anything. Sky's the limit. Oh, man. No, but, uh, but yeah, so I think we've now, uh, we've, we've created a better comic strip special than anything that uh, United Features or possibly King Features, whichever one created this, because I've forgotten already, oh. um, did. Oh, you know who King Features has? Who? Kevin and Kel. Oh! You mean, wait, that's the furry comic, right? Yes! (laughs) Yeah, I know that one. (laughs) Now that would be an interesting addition to this. (laughs) That would be. Uh, with like what the the carnivorous rabbit son or whatever, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I would be curious what kind of uh, what kind of burger Wimpy would serve him. Yeah, that would um, that would that would add that, that would add a lot. Oh, interesting. All right, so um, apparently uh, they missed a whole lot of opportunities in this thing. <laughs> uh, all right, um, so that is that is that's the man who hated laughter. That's the man who hated laughter. That's me, ladies and gentlemen. After I saw this, <laughs> oh, all right. I never thought anything would turn me against laughter, but oh, I have den- I will deny <laughs> laughter three times before the cock crows. <laughs> not me. I'm still laughing. <laughs> laughter is not permitted here in the doldrums. Oh. <laughs> all right. Anyway. I think uh, I'm going to. All right. You, I'm going to stop it. Why don't you go watch my movie? <laughs> <laughs>